Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. As those who are able to please stand for our first lesson, it comes from the prophecy of Micah in the second chapter, picking up in verse 2, and listen now to the Word of God. They covet fields and seize them, houses and take them away. They oppress householder and house and people in their inheritance. And therefore, thus says the Lord, now I am devising against this family an evil from which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. And on that day they shall take up a taunt song against you, and wail with bitter lamentation, and say, We are utterly ruined. The Lord alters the inheritance of my people, and how He removes it from me. Among our captors He parcels out our fields, and therefore you will have no one to cast the line by the lot in the assembly of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as you are able, in body and in spirit, that we might hear from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter beginning in the 39th verse. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with joy by the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked with favor on the lowliness of His servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation." He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promises that He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then return to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Christmas is coming. Yes, it is. When I hear that phrase, it reminds me of a song that used to be on a um, tape, tells you how long ago it was, that we played in the car as our family was making trips to go see grandparents or other things at this time of year. Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't a penny, a haypenny will do. If you haven't a paypenny, then God bless you. You know that one? I'm getting some blank looks, but okay. All right. It was on the tape, and it always stuck in my head. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. We're getting ready for celebrations and times to come together. And it is almost to that point in time. Family has traveled. Some are here. Some of us are traveling somewhere else later in the week. And we come amidst all the decorations, amidst all the travel, amidst all the symbolism. We come to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the fact that God came into the world to share love and hope and goodness with us. That is what we have come for. An important part of our celebration is music. We use music to lift our spirits. A few weeks ago, we gathered here for a service of lessons and carols where music filled our hearts along with the Scripture readings to prepare us, to anticipate for us the reality of God's love made real in the person of Jesus Christ. God put on human form and took on the very human part of being born, the, na- the, the, the messy part of life that is part of that, and that is something we celebrate. And so we anticipate, and we will come here in this place on Christmas Eve and in other places where you gather in whatever form it is, we come to gather for that. But you know, not all music that we hear this Christmas season is about the birth of Jesus, Let's be honest. I mean, really, there's a lot of other stuff out there. Sometimes, again, we know from children's songs, up on the housetop, reindeer paws, out jumps good old Santa Claus, down through the chimney with lots of joys, and for the little ones, girls and boys. You know that? You do know that. Yes, yes, you do know that. Yeah, and and then there's jingle bells dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh or the fields we go laughing all the way. And there are all sorts of variations on that as well, like jingle bells, Santa smells, Rudolph ran away, dip your nose in Cheerios. Okay, we won't go any further, but you know those. And then, of course, there are the things that sometimes we hear on the radio, sort of the Christmas kitscht. I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus and grandma got run over by a reindeer, barking dogs doing jingle bells. There's all, all sorts of stuff that's out there. What song do you sing in this season of the year? What song comes to you that lifts your heart, that gives you joy? What song is it? There are all sorts of songs But in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, there are four songs that have shaped and made 
uh, given, given shape and testimony to the story of Jesus. There is the Magnificat of Mary, which is what I just read a few minutes ago. It is a hymn of sorts. There is a song that, that, uh, that Zechariah says. Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth, and he was a priest, and Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron, of that, and of that family, and they did not have children. And Zechariah had a visitation from Gabriel who told him that Elizabeth would bear a child, and he was silent for the whole duration of the pregnancy. But when the baby was born, when John the Baptist was born, he burst forth, and in Luke 1 shares that story. And then in Luke 2, there are two other songs. There is the Gloria from the angels that we're singing, and actually we will join in singing that at the conclusion of the service today. And then there is Simeon's song, the Nucdinimus, where he proclaims that he has seen the coming of the Lord and asks God to be released. There's songs in the Scripture, songs that fill the Christmas story. This song of Mary is sometimes called a song of praise. That's what Magnificat means. And it has a whole host of musical settings throughout church life, all the way back to the very ancient days. It is a song of reversals. It stands the world on its head. Did you hear that? The Lord has shown strength with His arm and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. The Lord has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has filled His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy according to the promise He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. That is Mary's song. The Lord has filled the hungry with good things. The Lord has brought down the powerful from their thrones. That's pretty bold stuff. Pretty bold stuff. From Mary, who was a young teenage girl. She was unmarried at the time, and yet she was with child, she had a visitation from the angel. And in the visitation from the angel, Gabriel says to her, you shall become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever will come to his kingdom. That's mighty tough stuff for anyone, let alone a young girl. But the Lord has chosen her. And the Lord has chosen the improbable before. She is not the first. In a great time of difficulty and a challenge, the Lord chose a woman named Hannah the story is told in First and Second Samuel. Hannah 
was a woman advanced in years who, had not, who did not have children. And she wanted a son, wanted a child. And the Lord came to her and said, you will give birth. And her gratitude was so effusive that she dedicated her child to the faith of her people and presented him to the high priest to be raised. But after the birth of that child, she too sings a song in 1 Samuel 2. And this is how it goes. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren have borne seven, but she who has many is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He raises up the poor from the dust, and he lifts the, them, the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes. This song of Hannah, as well as the song of Mary, are full of divine reversals. The way we think things may be is not necessarily the way that they are. Ultimately, God's work in the world is to share goodness and justice and love and grace in ways that we might not think possible. That is pretty powerful stuff. So which song do you sing? Which one of these songs do you sing? The Lord had chosen two incredibly different women to give birth, a woman advanced in years and a young girl. They literally are to give birth to speak to the promises of these songs. They believed and they persisted in the conviction that God was using them in some way, strange yet miraculous. This was not simply about their situation and their fortune. They could both see enough to know that their child would make a difference in the world. Such conviction comes to one in remarkable ways. There is a sense in which it happens internally. Mary had some sense, Hannah had some sense internally that, yes, this is to be, and God's presence was understood by those who were around them as well. It comes, it came to them, and it comes to us from those who sustain and support us in any number of ways. Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth also was one of these older women who had been given birth, who was to give birth 
the beginning of Luke 1, her story is told, and she becomes the mother of John the Baptist. Like Hannah, Elizabeth had no children. Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, though, were of a long-standing family in, in the land. You might even say they were old Judea, or they were daughters. You could actually say that Elizabeth was a daughter of the Exodus. They were, no doubt, aware of the social conventions of the day. Elizabeth, as one who was gifted in the power and the culture of her day, she could have known or she would have known that a young teenage girl was not necessarily always accepted, but she chose to welcome Mary. She chose to respond to the movement of God in her very body as her own child leapt with joy, leapt when Mary came to them. Elizabeth did not reject Mary. In fact, Elizabeth understood the social shaming of their system. In carrying life, Elizabeth also understood that something different was about to happen. The world was changing, and so would she. She too, Elizabeth, had a song to sing. So she welcomed Mary, adding yet another reversal between what the world might think and how God provides. The Lord provides songs to those people in times of need. We've been surrounded by Christmas music now for some months, and it will re seem to reach a, a fever pitch, and much of it will be wonderful and useful as we worship. We come, even in this week, as we anticipate Christmas, looking forward, looking forward to gatherings that we will have, even as we remember Christmas's past. When I was growing up, Christmas Day oftentimes began with a large meal in my home. My mother would get up and prepare pancakes and waffles. There would be plenty of butter, real butter, and syrup, sausage and bacon, sweet breads, and maybe eggs, but that's a whole other story. This was a, a preliminary feast before the feast of the midday. My mom and dad would be there along with my brother, and very often one, if not both, of my grandmothers. While I was in high school, my grandmother, my father's mother, actually moved in with us, and um, so she was always there at that time. And about that time, we began to get Christmas Day visits from one of my father's cousins. He just showed up. I'm not going to say anything else, but he just showed up, didn't call, didn't ask if it was convenient, but didn't show up, just, just showed up. And the first time or two that it happened, I, I recall my mother feeling a little uncomfortable, all of us gathered around in our pajamas and robes and all the stuff that you wear on Christmas morning before everything else. And here he was, and he sat down and 
began talking to my dad as, as if they had just seen each other three days before. It was a powerful thing. My, my cousin was married and had three children that were about my age. But as I recall, they didn't make these visits with him. It was just my dad's cousin who would come and sit at the table and drink coffee and stay for 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and then leave. And they talked about things. They caught up on family and relatives and things that were going on. I marveled at this. Actually, I enjoyed it very, very much. And I marveled at this. For I knew this cousin and I knew his family, but we didn't do things together. They lived in the same town, and, and I, in fact, was in a high school class with one of, this, one of the children but we weren't connected in that way. We were simply separate. Time went on. Those gatherings began, those gatherings ceased. The cousin died. I learned little bits and pieces along the way. But it was only after my father died several years ago that the fullness of that picture came into focus. The daughter of this cousin, she is my cousin. My cousin told me that when she was growing up in elementary school and junior high school, before or even as I got to know them, before they moved to town, they went through a period of difficulty. There were substances involved by her parents, poor decisions were made, darkness filled their lives. Somehow, through all of that, my father was able to reach out to his cousin and bring, through some sorts of interventions, bring connection and stability help provide, through connections, introductions that led to new jobs, a new life, and a new stability. And I learned something that I did not know as we sat around those breakfast tables on Christmas Day so many years ago. It came into focus that my father, as an only child, valued this cousin as a childhood friend. For my father's cousin and his three siblings were important people. And it was one of those situations as if they had departed, but they were able to begin the conversation wherever they were, back together again. Through all the time and space, when things became difficult, when social conventions might have suggested turning one way or turning away, My father reached out and helped establish a new life for them. I didn't know that then. My father was not one who could sing. I never recall standing next to him in church and hearing him sing, and he never sang with the radio. 
But I think he had a song. Because songs are not always metrical pieces that are beautiful for us to hear. As beautiful and as wonderful and as necessary as they are, songs are not always that. They are also those places in our heart where we find joy. I think Elizabeth had a song. I know Elizabeth had a song. She had the song of welcoming and receiving Mary, of affirming God's unfolding work in the world. We are in a season when songs of praises abound. We are in the season of celebrating the birth of the Christ child. I ask you this week to look and to listen for the moments when God in Christ comes to you, even as He has come to all of us as told in the birth stories. But He will come to you. Go and sing the song that the Lord provides. Amen. Please pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a song. Thank you for the songs of Hannah and of Mary and Elizabeth. May we find our song that speaks to your rule and your reign and your goodness and grace in our lives this day and always. Amen. Amen.